0: Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, Dune 2 has been delayed. We have a trailer for David Fincher's The Killer, and we are doing Denzel Washington's Top 5 Rolls.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Hello,
0: blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 277 of Real Blend, a podcast that won't see Dune anytime soon. My name is Sean O'Connell, and on this week's show, Denis Villeneuve's anticipated blockbuster sequel, Dune 2, has been delayed, and uh, we have thoughts about that. We have finally seen a trailer for David Fincher's new film, The Killer, which is coming out later this year. And Denzel Washington is returning to theaters for The Equalizer 3, and in lieu of a full-on review for that film, we're going to do Denzel Washington's top five best roles um which was a lot harder to do than i anticipated going into this exercise um by we i mean jake hamilton of fox 32 in chicago
3: jake how are you sir i'm doing damn well because you're here my friend
0: i feel pretty good to be here uh with my good friend kevin mccarthy of fox 5 in washington dc hi kev how are you sir
4: Jonathan, Jacob, Gabriel, good to see all you guys.
0: We have been uh, rolling along in terms of things that are happening uh, at the theaters and at the box office. It was National Cinema Day, and I saw a lot of people flocking to the theaters. I was going to go see uh, Blue Beetle, but I didn't get a chance to get out and grab my ticket for it. Um, But I knew I do know a lot of people who went to go see uh, films in there in the IMAX format i saw a lot of people went to go see oppenheimer and take advantage of that four dollar ticket i saw a lot of families that got out uh to go see i'm assuming strays uh for that four dollar ticket um mm-hmm. so yeah it was very very exciting um let me throw it to real uh, real fast to uh, gabe kovach who's in the producer's chair gabe how are you doing sir
2: good happy to be back missed you boys last week good to be You back put on
0: too.
3: a great show what's up jake can i throw out one bit of a weekend controversy i guess of, you, you know, can in the ballpark sure though? yeah um should is Gran Turismo the number one movie in America?
4: Or no really, why would it not no. be? Well the, because it yeah, go ahead.
3: Well the the they've been doing weekend previews for the past yeah. two weeks and okay. roll and those weekend previews um made up for three point nine million dollars of, uh, of box office, which they rolled into opening weekend. You can't do that. And those, well, they did. <laughs> did and that $3.9 really? million is what put them over Barbie. So,
0: Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't know that they rolled it in because that doesn't yeah, seem yeah, like you could it. do now, that.
3: Now, granted, a lot of people roll in those Thursday numbers. And I've even heard, like, Dungeons & Dragons did Saturday previews the weekend before as well. And I've even heard of that. Okay. I don't know if I've heard of multiple weeks worth of previews being rolled into... Yeah, uh, and it's—I it, it, mean, enough to make up four million. Like, so yeah. sounds know, like a marketing
2: uh, department made that call. Yeah, kind but, of. but when
3: it when it makes the difference between what's number one and number two, I feel like that's when you start going because I mean, because then that also makes up the difference of like who can in the in the promos and the ads who can call themselves the number one movie in America. Like, that's it's we're I feel like we're venturing into what very tricky now? territory. Jake, would you mean?
2: would you sort of consider it a photo finish for Gran Turismo? Oh, man. Uh, but I honestly, don't...
0: what does the what does number one at the box office mean? Like, it, by you know, in, in four days, we're gonna forget that that even happened. It's oh, I guess yeah. it's, it's more that Barbie had less consecutive you know yeah, weekend and, and I mean, that's okay, but
3: for, for, like if I ever release a movie I'm just going to release it on every Saturday for a year before the movie comes out and then have like a three billion dollar opening Jake's movie beats Avatar 6 to the
1: <laughs>
4: opening weekend I went and saw Gran Turismo um, last Thursday so it was after we recorded and I gotta say that was one of the most exhilarating it was great fun um, you know films I've seen in a long time and I saw it in Dolby. I felt like I was on a ride and I I just want to shout out Neil Blomkamp because when he came out the gate with uh, District 9, I mean, obviously we we saw his talent as a filmmaker and I don't know that he has made a film, in my opinion, that's lived up to the first District 9 yet in his filmography. And I don't think Gran Turismo is is, is a film that is as good as District 9. But I got to say that was damn good, like really fun. As as Sean said, like you, you've seen this, these story points before. But the fact that it's a true story and the actual guy did the stunt driving for the film, which is yeah. insane to me. Um, I don't know that a lot of people know. I mean, again, based on the ads, they see, oh, they think it's most people probably think it's just a game Mm -hmm. or a movie based on the video game, which Mm -hmm. actually it's a story about a guy who played the video game and then became a real race car driver at Le Mans.
0: That's why they added it. Right. Based based on on the true true story. story.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I I got (laughs) to say, like Orlando Bloom was great. Jai Hansu was great. But the Mm. the the real star of that movie is David Harbour. He's He's part. Harbor is amazing in that movie, and he then took uh,
3: a role that's been played a million times, but also gave it a very sort of unique, fresh, Dave yeah. Harbor kind of spin to it.
4: Last thing I'll say about it is this: one thing I'll say about Neil Blomkamp that I, that I thought was really cool, and, and this could have been a uh, this could have been um this could have been wrong if they had done it the wrong way, but I think it was perfect how he did it, where you would transition between these shots of the the character in a race car and then. The, the peeling a back of the car itself. And then they enter the room that the kid is in playing his games oh, dude, and back and forth. To the point
0: where like when the kid said I've raced this track a hundred times or a yeah. thousand times or whatever, I was like, you know what? He kind of, he kind of yeah. did. Like Harvard yeah. said, like, you're not going to get a kid who plays FIFA soccer, you know, on the PlayStation to be able to go play soccer in a world cup or something. But something about the way that they described Gran Turismo right. and the way that these kids Theoretically would know these tracks. I was like, "Ah, you know what? (laughs) Maybe there's there's something to this. Uh, Hello, everyone. If you're watching us on YouTube, the show has started in earnest and we are flying by. Uh, Go down to the comments. Let us know how you think the show is going. Um, Send feedback. We're going to have a call to action at the end of the show. Thank you guys for suggesting the video games that you want to see translated into feature length movies in last week's episode. Uh, if you're listening to us in audio pod- podcast format and want to see what we look like and what the visual element of the show is, go to YouTube.com backslash Podcast. Sign up for RealBlend Premium. So I'm very sorry for everybody who got their newsletter um, a couple of days late technical snafu that we had, uh, but it went out on Monday and it had to do with uh, the Dune topic that we're going to get into. I'll quickly get over, uh, get us over to that conversation. But if you would like to sign up for the premium version of Real Blend Premium to get an ad-free version of the show and that newsletter, which eventually hits your mailbox, uh, check the description for information on where to sign up. Okay, so... The strikes have been going on and it's made it difficult for us to do uh, some of the stuff that we do on a regular basis, which is interview people that are that are promoting the films that are coming out uh, to theaters and mainly cast. I think at this point now we've kind of burned through all of the interviews that we have done prior to the strike kicking in. Because Gran Turismo was one of the last ones that we did where uh, we got David Harbour and we got the kid who played um, his name is Archie Mad Madquise, something like that. Um, He was promoting Gran Turismo. But now at this point, it is kind of tapped out and we're heading into the fall film season where I think we're going to rely on a bunch of directors uh, to hopefully make the rounds and promote their films. And it either became uh, we're going to put out the studios are going to put out these massive movies uh, that have a list cast members um, and not rely on them to promote. Or we're going to, you know, just roll the dice and see how these movies will do on their own. And Dune 2 was without question <clears throat> one of the big ones that felt like, is this going to move for a couple of different reasons? Uh, and it did move to March of 2024, which to me initially was a terrifying uh, sign that the strike is not going to end anytime soon. Um, but, but the ramifications of this were... Uh, larger in the sense that and you saw a couple of different people discuss this I want to get your guys take on it that with Dune moving its closest competitor in the Oscar race being Oppenheimer opened up a, a, a path for Oppenheimer in, in a number of categories I think where it theoretically would have competed against uh, Denis Villeneuve's film And we don't know about Killers of the Flower Moon, which we're going to discuss in a second. We don't know about the killer um, and how these other films will compete, both from an audience standpoint, but also from an awards race standpoint. Um, Do you guys, Jake, let's start with you. Do you think moving Dune to 2024 was the right call?
3: It depends on what your reason for doing it is. Um, Warner Brothers has four massive movies being released within about a four-week period from middle of November mm-hmm. to middle of December. And you're looking at Dune Part 2, Aquaman 2, Wonka, and Color Purple.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Aquaman, in theory, would have been an easy one to have in a reason to move in the sense that we're a few months out and haven't even seen a single teaser or trailer or any kind of promotional you know, item behind it. Do you think that the Dune move at all feels a little vindictive on the studio's part as an example of look what the strike is making us do. We're we're having to move one of the biggest films of the year. And I say this in the sense that because they could have moved any of their four movies, but they chose to move the big one. And there's a I I my first thought was like is this meant to sort of Go look, 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 what look what this strike is putting us in the position to do. See,
0: but see, I I've got the the complete I don't know if I, I don't know if it's the opposite of that. But Warner Brothers agreeing to move Dune is to me them saying. You're right, we can't promote these movies without the actors like it. it, it I thought it gave more strength to 100%. the actors in terms of their bargaining chip. That's if where I'm the at. Studio felt like they could had had the upper hand, then they would say, we don't really need you guys. We're just going to release our movie and make our money regardless of whether we have you. And, and that would, I thought watered down the stance that the screen actors guild had in the sense of right now, Hey, we're sitting all this out. Good luck releasing your movies without us. It, the it, studios I mean, kind of uh, said, I, a, I think,
4: I think, I think there's two factors that are interesting to look at. I, I think one um Again, this is not I'm not saying something people don't know already, but I'm just setting this up for context. The first Dune was obviously a huge gamble, right? They, they, you know, if you go back and listen to our interview with Denis for the first Dune, uh, this was a film that he made half the story. Um, he knew going in that they were going to shoot half the story, half the book. And basically, if the movie does well, they're going to make part two. But that the idea of going back and and shooting the first half of a film is insane to me, knowing that you might not be able to make the second half. Mm. Not only that, it was released during a pandemic and on HBO Max on the same day. Yeah. And and what that proved is that that's the type of film that people were willing to go to the theaters for. Now, that to me was one of the biggest wins that I've seen in cinema in our time covering this this type of work, because It just kind of gave you an indication where the audience is and where what people are willing to leave their 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 houses for to go see versus streaming it. If you have it available in your home and you still leave to go to see it in theater, that's Mm -hmm. very telling. Mm -hmm. Skip ahead to this movie. Um, I would argue and I, I don't know this for sure that the first Dune did as well as it did because of its red carpet coverage all over the world. Like having Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya step out on these different carpets in different parts of the world. Those photos went so viral that people who didn't even know what Dune was or had any interest in Dune whatsoever wanted to see Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya on screen. And Zendaya is barely in the first part of the film or first the first movie. And it still made a ton of money or enough money to green mm-hmm. light green light the second film. Um Dune is a very specific film because I don't I don't believe Dune 2 is a lock to have a gigantic box office without its actors out there. You have to imagine Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya on a carpet taking a photo together and how viral that will go. I mean, all four of those actors have such an insane online presence That, you know, you have the Elvis fans from Austin Butler, you have Florence Pugh fans from Oppenheimer and Black Widow and all these great uh, films that she's been a part of. And then you bring back Timothy and and, and Zendaya, you expand Zendaya's role, but you still need them to sell your film. And a red carpet photo of those four is worth so much money at the box office, in my personal opinion. And, you know, Dune had everything stacked against it, the first one. And I think I genuinely believe it did as well as it did because of those Warner Brothers was brilliant with that. I mean, think about all the different there were articles about the outfits that Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet were wearing. At the Dune premiere. I mean, that is free coverage and just coverage all over the Internet. Sure. And, but that's, and every, I, so
0: that's every movie. I mean, this one definitely I, 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 had I, I, a lot of press coverage for it.
4: But I mean, no, it's not every movie. I mean, because every movie does have their stars go out and promote on worldwide tours. And then there's films that bomb that mm-hmm. that, that do the exact same thing. Dune was a combination of a great film, a great filmmaker, a great track record well, and bankable stars. Like Chalamet and Zendaya are two of the f- stars that people do leave their houses to go see in theaters. And that well, is a fact. Now, I would argue.
0: Jake brought up a point on a previous episode about Chalamet having Wonka right behind and whether yeah. he was going to potentially pull back on the amount of stuff he was willing to do for Doom. But that's a non-entity anyway, because nobody's doing anything for it.
3: But okay, but I think of their four movies, Dune is is I mean, but you have to keep in mind what what is something I've been noticing that a lot of like the national entertainment shows are doing. They're recycling a lot of interviews that they've done in the past. I've, I I looked up today because today in my newsroom I've got TV TVs from all the different stations airing at one time.
4: Yeah, and I've been doing that for like four of, weeks.
3: Sure, exactly. And wh- I saw someone today. Uh, I saw some one one uh, entertainment show today um, recycling a Denzel interview from Equalizer two. To talk about the fact that Equalizer, 3 I is did that for Equalizer One, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, everyone and their mom who was lucky enough to participate in the Dune press tour already has the Dune cast in the can. I would argue of Warner Brothers four movies being Wonka, Color Purple, Aquaman, and Dune. Dune, you could make the argument like they. Pro-
2: I think that could have been the most fine.
3: To no, have been Aquaman without.
4: Aquaman made a billion dollars. Dune made like four hundred million.
2: A- Aquaman is also a part of a of a dying
3: franchise yes. i like I, I think the color purple cast needs is going to need to get
2: out there i mean granted to, that sean sean wouldn't that kind of be gun and saffron's like worst nightmare is to prolong getting any more of these <laughs> movies out
0: that's a that's a, a guaranteed number one reason why that movie didn't move
2: yeah they I, just want to d-
0: wipe that slate clean they do not want to go into 2024 with any more lingering dc projects they would like to go into they have joke joker how do we not have a trailer uh, in though? October? I mean, from everything I've heard about Aquaman, it is deeply flawed, and I don't know if they they can even well, salvage well, it
4: based
3: on what I've it, heard.
4: I mean, there's a lot going on, obviously, with the Amber Heard aspect of things. The, the, the um, I uh, think she's first barely one was in bad. Was, I,
2: don't, honestly, I don't even think of Amber
3: Heard
4: when I think it. the Aquaman. Yeah. 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 It Sean, before relates. we
2: move off of that, I do want to ask you, uh, March, does this... H- how much of an effect does this have on Dune at the Oscars? Do you think uh, it can sustain through the year? Or do you think now it went from a front see, to... See, that's what
3: that... Sean's face is what I've been saying. There's a giant difference it's between Dune, Dune being released in November and Dune being released For in sure. March. For I sure. disagree.
2: Oh, I think so. It's,
3: it's just got to keep... It's it's like saying, uh, like, running a race, like, like okay, go at your top speed. What's the top speed you can go? <laughs> you can go at your top speed for 100 yards, a lot easier than you can go at your top speed for now, more, mind you, 400 yards. Everything yeah, in the like, all
0: at once opened in... in well, it it's went possible. South it's definitely and, possible, yeah, yeah. but it's hard. Didn't, it
3: didn't, didn't,
4: didn't get out open in January?
3: Yeah, but, 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 like, we can always pull out the exceptions to the rule, but the exceptions to the rule are, are just that. It, it's it, harder. You, it, it doesn't change the fact that it... it is harder and it's, especially when what? you know but also too let me ask you this does the fact that uh they might p- potentially be making a dune part three by adapting mm-hmm. dune messiah might then the oscar voters go well then we'll just do the the lord of the rings thing and give them everything we want for I mean, Part three. but is is all the of
0: those think? things shouldn't factor into the decision it to should, release but we the know movie that it does the movie should be released to Kevin's point I hope that Kevin's correct because the idea should be it doesn't matter when you get released sure. like the yeah, best sure picture are. race should not be the films that were released from October to December which for many many years that's what the Oscar race was it was essentially what hit theaters from you know Toronto on kind of thing which is
2: which is how it, it's sort of a snake eating its own tail or sort of like the self-fulfilling prophecy or whatever the analogy is of that's when all the studios were doing it like like they weren't releasing their Oscar bait you know like they were it feels like it what was the chicken or the egg that that came first
0: well you know what's changing that to be honest with you is streamers i think yeah. putting a lot of these other movies available on streaming yep. services means that people are seeing them at different points of the year and yeah. saying oh everything everywhere all at once is still the best thing i've seen this year And they don't really think about when they saw it. They just think about, oh, I caught it on on uh, Amazon or wherever it played. So I mean, a a
2: well-placed
3: streaming or home video release can be just as valuable as a Mm well-placed like, you know, like I guarantee you they're going to drop Oppenheimer on VOD around the time when it's time to vote.
0: Mm hmm. Probably like
3: they'll, they'll, they'll probably put Oppenheimer available well, on VOD around to, to pull the curtain back
0: a little bit on this as well, too. We can tell you guys that there are a number of different people that we have asked to have on the show and we get asked, hey, can you have them back on in the fall when yeah. we would the like to be doing time, yeah. our awards push? Um, so, yes, a big the, part of is no. the industry. We want is you now tailored to this. So, again, this brings up the point they shouldn't have moved Dune out of this year because moving it into next year, it, to me, it, in addition to saying we need our stars to help us promote this movie, um, which I think is a sign of a weakness on the side of the um, amped to put, whatever that yeah. uh, anagram is.
3: I think that the weakness on the side of uh, the uh, the Alliance is the reminder that you don't get there. There's no movies to produce if you don't have the writers and the actors around. Correct. Like okay. That's, that's the ultimate sign of weakness. So wait,
0: it's, I just thought of another reason as to why, they potentially why one of those brothers potentially move for this if they see a extended stay for this strike and it means that productions are not rolling right now which they are not that they have to hold a couple of big things to carry them through 2024 because they can't be shooting things right now that they are relying on coming out and maybe they looked at the at the four movies that you talked about and said like Hey, maybe Dune can be a tent pole for us in the spring of next year and push us through into the next one because right now they're not shooting anything.
4: That's a good Or I saw a tweet that I mean, I don't think this is accurate, but that this this was this was somebody guessing. But what if what if they did a test screening of Dune and actually no, they can't do reshoots. Not right now. Because the actors can't work.
3: I will. He can shoot I the spice. really hope.
4: I really hope that, the worm the worm can work.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really hope that Denis was a part of this conversation because Oof. if he got if he got screwed over with day and date mm. with part one and then they moved his movie out of Oscar season mm-hmm. for part two. That's a that's how you lose filmmakers. That's how you piss off a Nolan and
2: send
0: them to Universal.
2: But that's I get that, that depends on what we assume he cares about, and you know, I, awards are awards or whatever. Would it be? It could also be the opposite. It could be, are you going to screw me and make me make me promote this by myself? Where I have this also, I have Elvis in my cast, and I can't use Elvis to promote this. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't go and do it in the theater. I had to promote it for home video. Like I could see him also being like, hey, I don't want to do this by myself, and I also don't want to feel like both of these releases are stunted by sure. something.
0: In the wake of the Dune moving, well, not necessarily in the wake, but there are some IMAX screens uh, that are jockeying for content. As we were talking about this, uh, and we got new news on the the day that we we're recording, right before we started recording, that Killers of the Flower Moon uh, is going to be getting a full theatrical release, including uh, IMAX screens, on October twentieth. This is through we were talking about this on an earlier episode. It's Apple TV Films, but they're partnering with Paramount Pictures. Uh, to distribute Killers of the Flower Moons. So they were going to have a brief rollout on October 6th uh, and then uh, build momentum and go out to a bunch of different theaters. Now that that minimum rollout is is being wiped away and they're just going wide on the 20th. Uh, that's got to be nothing but good news, I would assume. Right. Anybody see a bad sign to that or?
1: No. no.
4: And I think I think it also. Well, this is we had this discussion on the show a couple weeks ago because I, I can't think of a past example of a film that's been released like this from a major studio perspective um, in terms of like the movie being an Apple film, I guess, or Apple original film. And then but it's being released through another studio, Paramount Pictures in a wide format, mm-hmm. not like, you know, with Netflix and all these other studios, like Netflix will put their movies out for one or two weeks in like non AMCs or non Regals. I think Knives Out, Two, they were able to get into the AMC's and the Regals when mm-hmm. they when they did that like special sh- showing. Um, but in this particular instance, I I I've never seen anything like this before, and I found this really interesting. So I, I think it's really great that they're 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 putting it out on one day. I think sometimes with these with these uh, what do you call them like uh, the releases when, like a
0: platform? Yeah, release? when
4: you platform release it, uh, it can create some questions about oh why isn't it open here yet? Why isn't it there yet? I'll just wait for streaming kind of thing. And I think. When you put it out on one day, you get rid of that muddiness in terms of like knowing where it is. It's out Mm -hmm. in theaters and then boom, and it'll be out on streaming whenever it hits streaming.
2: Kev, have you I I only saw it mentioned. I haven't read up on exactly what it is. Have you read up on the technology that they're using to scale it to IMAX? Have you read about that yet?
4: No. So he because he didn't he didn't even he he didn't shoot IMAX, right? He shot 239. We'll
2: have have to touch back on this uh, closer to the release so we can look more into it. But I saw a mention of like some proprietary IMAX technology that they're using to scale it to that actual IMAX scale. Who Um, shot this movie for him? We'll come back to it.
0: Who who shot it for him? Can somebody look that up? I'd be Uh, curious to see who did that for him. Um, And then in addition, while Kev is looking that up, or Gabe is looking that up. I have it right here, yeah. uh, This next film is for me, what Oppenheimer was for Kev. Mm. Because I think uh, Mank aside... (laughs) Uh Uh, Prieto.
2: Prieto shot it. Fincher is
0: for me.
4: Oh beautiful. And Rodrigo Prieto shot Barbie. Barbie also, yeah. And Killers of the Flower Moon. It's having a heck of a year. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, David Fincher has a movie coming out called The Killer. And we could talk about the trailer in a second, but I just want to mention one thing that we have been saying on this show. Uh, is it going to get theatrical release? And it did say on the poster and in the trailer in select theaters so please make that theater somewhere near me because dear lord I want to see that new Fincher on the big screen. Um, Can we
2: nominate theaters for these selections that they make? What committee selects?
0: is they put a poster out for this movie and they didn't lean into the, the Fincherness of it all. Kevin brought this up in our text thread, but then there's a shot in the beginning of the trailer that very clearly says like from the director of fight club and Zodiac and gone girl. Um, so yes, start to lean into the fact that that this is David Fincher's next film.
2: And did you see that? Um, I don't know. Like uh, to me, it seems like they're leaning more on Fassbender than like you'd normally would see? Did mm. you see that the the title, the card, the end card on the trailer? It says Netflix presents Michael Fassbender, the killer. Oh, interesting! And in, in, in oh, the bottom wow. right, as small as everyone else, it says directed by David Fincher. Like oh, I thought it was, a, I thought That's it was really silly. strange to say presents. Michael Fassbender gets yeah because I like think Fincher credit.
3: is. A- arguably a bigger name than Fassbender. Like, Fassbender, I, I, like, I love, look, I love, we're all big, massive Fassbender fans yeah, on the show, think he's like, incredible. He's, yeah. he's not getting people to theaters.
0: Let me uh, do an apples-to-oranges comparison. If if Oppenheimer said uh, Killian Murphy in real big, is Killian Murphy comparable to Michael Fassbender, or is Fassbender, no, Fassbender, Fassbender bigger than that? Fassbender Fassbender's is Magneto. Bigger.
2: Fassbender's,
4: bigger? Yeah. Fassbender's yeah. Magneto, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would argue more people know who Killian Murphy as the no, Fassbender. No. Fassbender no. is than Michael Fassbender. Fassbender is...
2: Fassbender is Magneto. (laughs) He's He's a superhero. You don't
4: get people know Magneto. Do they know Michael
3: Fassbender? I think people to people, Fassbender is more recognizable than Killian Murphy. I think I think both actors. Yeah, I think both actors. You might have to or like nudge people to get them to maybe name a few movies. But I think if you put two pictures up in front of someone and you go like, who's the most recognizable actor? They'll know two? Killian. He's oh, Steve Jobs. He played Steve Jobs in the movie. <laughs> you're, you're, Steve you're, Jobs. You're forgetting the
4: decades of time that Killian's been on our screens from 28 days later through now with Oppenheimer. That guy pa- is way more famous than you, than you're, than you're giving him I, credit I, for. I
2: no, I, I am not. I know I'm, 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 no,
4: I'm arguing against Jacob in the sense that I think people would know who Killian is over for Michael Fassbender. It's I,
0: an interesting play. I'd, I'd be curious really to see disagree. what the poll results on that one are. Um, either way, my argument being the names David Fincher and Christopher Nolan should be above the two of them with yeah. all due respect to both right. of them as performers. Um, I thought the trailer looked great. I thought the trailer did a terrific job of giving me a sense of what the style of this movie is going to be, uh, what the plot of the movie is going to be without giving away very much at all. It just basically told me that like, this is what it's going to look like. This is what Fastbender is up to in it. And it's directed by David Fincher. And what more do I need to see? I guarantee there will be another trailer as we get closer to it. That will probably give away some much, you know, much bigger details. I may even just end up skipping that one altogether. Um, but Fincher doesn't make a ton of movies. This is only his 11th film. And uh, he makes them at a clip of about th- one every three years. Uh, so it's been a while. And like I said, Mank just didn't work for me. It, it was a swing and a miss coming off of. Gone Girl, which I thought was outstanding. And um, I even loved his Girl with the Dragon Tattoo adaptation. So um, huge Fincher fan, dying to see what he does with this one. Uh, What stood out to you, Kev, about this trailer?
4: A few things uh, the trailer gave me fight club vibes like crazy it just kind of edited together like Fight Club there was a shot of fastbender wearing sunglasses on an airplane that reminded me of Tyler Durden it, like I just kind of I don't know why but it just kind of it just felt like Fight club um, not not in a plot perspective just of an editing and a and a, and a cinematography perspective um, the gentleman who shot this movie is uh, Eric Messerschmidt uh, who shot make uh, and you know obviously Fincher is one of the more famous filmmakers who's very much into digital um, and social mm-hmm. network, and 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 he's somebody who I think who does digital very well. Venture is somebody who understands digital. It, it, it still feels cinematic, um, and I'm very excited about it. Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. Their names are involved again. I'm all mm. in um, <laughs> uh, shout out it's... to their shout out to their score <laughs> for uh, well, it's funny because going back in Fincher's career was the Chemical Brothers did the score for Fight Club, I believe. And he's always had this, this and seven. This did they do seven, seven? also? I don't know who did seven. OK, but, but I know that um, he's always had this like. Reson came on
0: with, with Social Network, I think.
4: Was that I think first so. One that they did with him. I believe so. Yeah, and their and and their scores are just so atmospheric. I mean, I I know this wasn't a Fincher movie, but one of my favorite scores of theirs was Soul. Um, It's beautiful. But so the killer Soul directed
3: by Fincher. Yeah, (laughs) I mean that that might have might
4: as well have been a Fincher movie. That movie was so yeah. That movie was amazing. Um, So I didn't know this This is based on a graphic novel. Um, Mm -hmm. I I have not read the graphic novel by Alexis Nolent. um, And so I don't know. I'm excited to see it in theaters. Hopefully, it gets a bigger release than. Netflix usually does, which is generally like, you know, a couple weeks in, you know, in other theaters outside of the major theater chains. Maybe they'll give this the knives out treatment. I have no idea. Um, Um,
0: One other point of of note for this, his screenwriter for The Killer is Andrew Kevin Walker, who last collaborated with David Fincher on a little film called Seven.
4: So. yeah mm. and and dude i'm telling you that's a, that's so a, that's a great so why didn't they call this one. one eight come on, guys let's move on let's move on no but in all in all, in all honesty though like first finch first finch movie i ever saw was the game i believe and then i Love went the back game. and and he is an extraordinary filmmaker like you said he doesn't make a lot of films it's like tarantino and nolan mm-hmm. um when you get a movie every Two, three years or so. I don't know how many Nolan's at now. Is he at eleven or twelve? Tarantino he knows at nine. You don't
0: know. How do you I mean, not know? I mean I've seen
4: Oppenheimer eight times. I don't remember the number of movies he's released, if you count following through then. Um but no, in general though, I I'm he's a filmmaker that I will do I will go out of my way to watch any single time he puts a movie out. I loved Mank. I know Gabe's with me you on know, Mank. I thought it was a beautifully Beautifully well made film. I thought it was. What's
2: what's incredible is I find Mank (laughs) exhilarating. And you guys find it boring. Dude, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's incredible. It's incredible how different
4: Uh, of a movie we are. Such a whiff. Oh, Mank is incredible. I'm going to put Mank on later. I I, I would rather watch (laughs) Mank than Citizen Kane. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. uh, I just would. I just would. would. It's a newer, (laughs) better. Um, uh, anyways, so anyway. um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, real, real quick. I want to ask you guys real quick. Uh, I don't don't think about it. I want you to you just say it. What's Fincher's best movie? Zodiac. I think it's Social Network.
2: I think it's Social Network. I would probably say Zodiac, but or, or Social Network. It depends on the day. Zodiac was really the hard. first one that came to mind, and then I immediately went, "Well, then there's the Social Network." It's
0: really hard. <laughs> I wrote I Zodiac Train for a long, long time, but I just think oh. I think bad. Zod- I, I,
2: I think they're both perfect movies, and I think that that's they okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think that's okay. I give it. Th- I give the edge because of the um, uh, Aaron Sorkin of it all. Yeah. I, I will
2: say like, this man. though, I like Sorkin's dialogue. I, this is nothing against anyone in the Social Network. There's a ton of great performances in the Social the Social Network. Gyllenhaal in Zodiac, yeah. Oh, that's uh, above all of them. I think I, I'll, oh. give, I'll give
0: you Andrew Garfield and social network. I agree. No,
2: I agree. G-
4: agree. Hall. But you're, I don't know you're, that you're it's gone, better than yeah, Gyllenhaal. Yeah, you right. And he, he doesn't okay, get I I got as got... much screen time as Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Hot. Gyllenhaal hot. Can I get can I give a sizzling take? Settle down. I like yeah. Alien 3.
0: Not, that's OK. I like You know
2: Alien my favorite 3. part of Alien that's 3 what is? What is my favorite part of Alien 3 is actually a behind the scenes clip of David Fincher pissed off on set and he leans up to the boom mic and goes, you all suck, and you don't know what you're doing. The studio's <laughs> failing.
4: <laughs> I actually like
2: the third Alien. While, while like. they're shooting the movie, can I tell Nolan, a little, Nolan a little does side too. to this?
0: Um, when I interviewed Michael Bean for that at that at the pop convention uh, thingamabob that I was down in South Carolina, the Aliens, he said that because we, we were talking about AI and how this technology uh, could have an impact on the industry moving down the road, and he said when they were shooting Alien Three. He ran into a friend of his. Um, He was Michael Bean was busy shooting something else. I think Tombstone. I think he was shooting Tombstone around the time that Alien 3. And the friend said to him, uh, wow, how did I how are you here? I just saw you at Pinewood uh, working on Alien. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I have not been at Pinewood and I'm not doing the Alien uh, movie that they're doing right now. He goes, no, I swear to God you were there. So he contacted his agent, found out what was going on. And it turns out that they had shot a scene that showed um, his character, Hicks, uh, on the set with a chest buster coming out of his <laughs> chest. And he had shown that that's how that character died. And they put Michael Bean's face on the body. <laughs> and he fought back and said, you don't have my permission to do that. I didn't sign anything that allowed you to do that. And and that's not how that character would go out. And he ended up suing the studio. And he won. wasn't
3: Crispin Glover, one of, if not the first people to do that, because he it's didn't exactly want it, what that to was his reference. To he, yeah. That
0: was his reference. Exactly. That Crispin Glover said, you can't do that to me. And Crispin Glover sued Spielberg. <laughs> he sued Spielberg and Universal, according to Michael Bean.
4: And it happened to Michael Shannon. It, didn't Zod show up in a movie where he was like dead in the film, but they still used it. It um, was his
0: body in Justice League. Yes. Right. When they submerged
4: it. Right, and he didn't uh, shoot like that. These days, right? I feel
3: like when you these days with these superhero movies, I feel like they make you sign your likeness away in so many ways to, to use in video games and, and stuff like that. But you still have to sign. You still have to agree to do, do it. it if you yeah, don't do it.
2: Oh, so I was to say Gwyneth Paltrow didn't know that she was in a Spider-Man movie, and she was in a lot of the <laughs> Spider-Man movies. That's right. Movie. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, very true. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And
2: if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Okay, so speaking of a lot of movies that people are in... Denzel Washington is in a third Equalizer film. I kind of like the Equalizer franchise. I'm bummed that I did not get to see the third one. Um, There was a junket for it. The print wasn't ready by the time that they screened it. And um, then they didn't screen it in my market, so I did not get a chance to see it. But the pitch on Equalizer 3 is Denzel Washington against the Mafia in Italy, and that sounds pretty uh, exciting to me. (laughs) So we can't review it because none of us have seen it yet. But we wanted to do instead a sort of pseudo Denzel tier list where we discuss his five best roles of all time as determined by the Real Blend podcast hosts. And I can tell you that after I put my five together, I could have easily done a second five and a third five. And on any given day, if you asked me, uh, I would have been able to rotate some of those performances up. And like. I think he has one or two that are the top, top, top. That have to be on a list. Yeah, I actually I I wrote to Gabe in Slack and I was like, how do you choose 10 when this dude gives out, you know, nine and nine point five basically every time that he comes out of the gate? And, you know, the movie might not be up to his standard, but no matter what film you're watching, if you're watching Denzel in it, he's great. He's consistently great. And so it sort of became at some of those points like. Is the movie up to his standard? So um, we're going to do our best to do Denzel Washington's five best acting roles. Gabe, why don't you explain to the people how we're going to attempt to yeah. pull this off?
2: So if, if you've been with us for top five lists, typically what we do is I get all these gentlemen to send me their individual lists and then I weight their lists and I put them all together and I aggregate sort of a real blend uh, list based on how theirs ended up. Uh, so I will go through number five through number one of Real Blend's official top five list uh, for Mr. Washington. And then these gentlemen will let you know where it is on their personal list. Uh, and then we'll kind of just have a, a general conversation about that role, about that movie uh, and move on to the next one. Should we get started? Let's, Let's do start it. it. Yeah. Number five. We start with John Q. Where he yes. played Where he played John Quincy Archibald. Uh, this was on Jake's list. Jake, where was it on your list? That's a good question. This was number. This was number three on Jake's list. How about I do it this way? There so you goes. don't remember. This was this was number three on Jake's list, and this was number five on Kevin's list. Uh, it, it was. It, it was not featured on Sean's list, but let's talk John Q. Who wants to start,
3: Jake? Yeah, I I think this is a really, um, you know, Denzel has sort of that that uh, that Tom Hanks quality, that, 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 that sort of that everyman quality that I feel like Tom Hanks gets a lot of credit for. Uh, Denzel also has it in spades and I feel like doesn't get as much credit, but also has the ability to go the complete opposite direction as well. Um, but the, the everyman quality sort of pushed to his limits in which uh, you know his son needs a heart transplant and the insurance companies are failing him and uh, Denzel takes it upon himself by holding a, a hospital hostage. Uh, it's, it's the ultimate example of Representing the kind of person that even if you've never been anywhere near a scenario like that, anyone with a heart, with a soul, with a conscience can look at what he's doing, can put yourself in this very dramatic, over-the-top situation and go, I relate to this thoroughly. I think it's in I think it's very easy, not easy, easy is the wrong word. It's easier to make movies about situations that we've all been through and, and have us go, okay, yeah, I relate to that. I've been through that. Most of us are never going to go through a John Q type of situation, but to make us feel like we would behave in that way that we know what, what he's feeling despite never being in a situation like that, I think is the ultimate uh, compliment to the kind of actor that Denzel is. And this is just a heart wrenching performance. Uh, I remember seeing it in theaters. Um, There are, Things that uh, I don't want to spoil anything, particularly with the the last act. It gets very dramatic in the final act uh, to a point where you think some very dramatic things are going to happen. And I remember, I mean, we're talking about a a small PG-13 drama Mm -hmm. and the gasps. And I'll never forget, I was in middle school and I saw this in theaters. The gasps coming from the audience in that theater you would think we're coming from a massive sort of roller coaster type thriller. I mean, that's just how and a lot of it and it comes from the audience buying into I mean I know Robert Duvall's in the film, Ray Liotta's in the film. It's got a it's got a nice ensemble cast, but that is Denzel Washington's vehicle and mm-hmm. it it runs the way it runs because of him. Fair enough. Good call. Gabe, you are muted. Kev, Thank this you. is number five for you, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I just remember I'll never forget like the, the quote, I'm not going to bury my son. My son's going to bury me. I just remember that, like I think that was in the trailer. I remember being like blown away by just that that line. But then when you see it in the film, it just hits so much harder. And Jake, Jake basically said everything about the film that, you know, it's putting yourself in a moral dilemma um, in a situation that you could completely understand and and relate to why this character is doing this. And Again, there's something Denzel Washington has the ability to help you cross that barrier with him and understand why he's doing what he's doing. And and that just takes a performance that has to have vulnerability and, and a raw element to it that is that is purely human and purely understandable on a universal level. Um, and it's just like there, there's just the way he delivers lines in that film, that line in particular, I'm not going to bury my son there's just something about the delivery of that line that just hits, just kind of shocks you to your core. I remember that line being either at the end of the trailer or it was like, it was like the climax of the trailer and then you were waiting for it in the film. And it just, I always love when a line hits differently, like an Oppenheimer when, when Damon says that this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world. And the line in the film is a little bit different with an F bomb, but it just hits differently in that scene and the context. So yeah, I, I love John Q. It's, but it's actually one of my favorite Denzel Washington films. I remember seeing it in theaters as well. I still have my ticket for it. Um, I, I just remember it being, forever. it's great. It's really, really, really great. But and well, I will, in. I will say I, I haven't seen it probably Years since. Probably yeah, probably since in probably since like 2003 or 2004. Mm. But it's directed by Nick Cassavetes. Uh, and, you know, and there's just, you know, there's there's a lot to it that I've that I remember loving in terms of production and, and performance. And Jake mentioned there's a great uh, ensemble cast. I always forget Ray Liotta's in it. It's, it's it's a really, really powerful film.
2: Yeah, looking at this list, it had me wanting to go back to that like prime 90s, 2000s Denzel era and just rewatch all those movies. Uh, Jake, Jake, we'll move on to number four. Jake brings up a good point uh, to mention to the audience. We will stay spoiler free uh, out of interest of, you know, maybe introducing people who have not seen these films yet. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, We don't we want you to enjoy them, not ruin them. So but at number four, oh, I'll mention this. Uh, Not that it matters. John Q had four points on our point scale, uh, arbitrary, meaningless scale. Uh, Number four with six points is Malcolm X, which was featured on all three of your lists. Um, It was Jake's number five. It was Sean's number four. And it was Kevin's number three. Kev, Mm -hmm. you had it highest. I'll let you start off the discussion. Pretty self-explanatory. Titular character. Hmm.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, like. Next to Do the Right Thing, this is equally Spike Lee's masterpiece as mm-hmm. well. I mean, this is this is a film that is, what, three hours and 15 minutes or so. And it just every single minute of that film counts and matters. Um, it's interesting because like to, to tell Malcolm X's story in the way Spike Lee tells it from the beginnings to to the endings of the character of the character and, and, and the person it's so powerful to watch Denzel go on that journey. Like like there, are like the because the character goes through so many different thought processes and changes in his life and the way Denzel kind of introduces each thought process and each change in direction and each, you know, like even like, you know, when he he does the pilgrimage sequence and they show the real footage um, at the end of the film, it's just it's mind blowing how exact Denzel played Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always say like, you know, when someone does a character, well, it's not it's not an it's not an impersonation, it's interpretation of that person. Um, Like with Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer, I think he's interpreting, you know, Oppenheimer, not impersonating him. And I would say the exact same thing here for Denzel. But there is something about Denzel's performance in Malcolm X that I think goes a step beyond There's something spiritual, I think, in that performance that, you know, it feels like he really became Malcolm X in a a way when you're watching it. He embodied um, the emotion, the family aspect of it, the the weight of what the character is dealing with. Um, From a production standpoint, you know, obviously, Ernest Dickerson's cinematography is outstanding. It's one of the best Spike Lee shot films that I've seen him do every single shot is incredible. The opening, everything about that is amazing. Obviously, Terrence Blanchard's music. Blanchard is one of the greatest composers of all time. Um, And that particular score is, is, is astounding. Um, But yeah, I, 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 Malcolm X is one of the greatest cinematic achievements I have ever seen. And I love do the right thing will always be my favorite Spike Lee film, but I might have to say Malcolm X might be his best. It just, Mm -hmm. it just, it just, it just hits on a way that I can't even Without going into any spoilers, the third act of this film, especially the ending, I actually rewatched it recently. I forgot how brutal that ending was. Mm. Um, But it's so, so well done. Um, And it's one of the best performances of all time. And he should have won an Oscar for it. I know he won for glory and Training Day. Who who did he lose to the year of Malcolm X? I don't
0: know. That's a good question.
4: Um, Because that is genuinely that's the he should have won an oscar for that sean why
2: don't you jump in this was your number four and i'll I'll look up that oscar
0: yeah i mean i think if you're doing a denzel list we have to have something of him and spike lee um their collaboration is uh you know i think that the two of them work hand in hand on a number of uh key films but it was almost like when denzel was cast in this role there's certain times where you hear like daniel day lewis is going to play lincoln you know you hear denzel is going to play malcolm x and you'd think well that's perfect marriage of of you know actor and and role um but it, malcolm x is a controversial figure and what i really appreciated about what spike lee and denzel washington is they didn't shy away from that at all uh you yes know, they embraced yeah, the right. complications of of the person um and denzel w- did a warts and all performance essentially and and you know said i'm going to portray the man as i know him to be uh and Mm. and you know it's a difficult time in american history and that film i might be off but why do i i associate malcolm x and jfk coming out around the same time it felt like
4: malcolm x was 92 92. and jfk was 94 oh 91 you're right it's a year 91
0: apart. It, it felt like oliver stone and spike lee were both taking big swings at american history um and interpreting uh the, their two approaches to two specific eras uh in very in ways that I i don't know i just parallel those those two movies together um for the way that they bite off huge chunks of history um you know, like Kevin mentioned, it's a three and a half hour film. It's it's really difficult for Denzel to to hold <sighs> people's attention. You know, for the for because I believe he's in every scene or feels yeah. like he's in every single scene for that movie. Um, and and gives a an, uh, clinical, yeah. you know, incredibly proficient performance. He's he's astounding in it. And so, um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that this made the list of our top five because
4: uh, and I'm Jake? glad that I'm um, glad Sean brought that up. By the way, he, you're so right about the movie. Uh, he doesn't he he plays with exactly the person he does with flaws and 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 every aspect of it and i think it's never afraid to do that he doesn't mind
0: playing a bad person on screen i'm not saying malcolm is a bad person anyway but denzel will play these people who have conflicts about them you know and even john q you were talking about like he's doing complicated things but you understand where he's coming from from that perspective there are some people who only like to play uh you know, squeaky clean white knight type heroes. And Denzel does not mind getting into the moral complications of so many of his characters. And I think that's what makes him really interesting as a performer.
2: Anything left you wanted to mention, Jake?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you guys nailed it perfectly, but like, you know, to me, Malcolm X is, is, is it's his godfather in the sense that like, I think, you know, with, you, you know, you look at Pacino and you're like, yeah, he won for Scent of a Woman, but like, I think everyone sort of universally goes like, okay, like, but like, The Godfather, right? You know, like, I, you know, I did not to dismiss uh, Training Day and and Glory, both incredible performances. But for me, like, in in Denzel's career, like, yeah, he has two Oscars for other movies, but I'm sort of like, yeah, but like, I'm okay with Training Day being his win
0: although not, not, he, he won glory before it though but you're right yeah yeah but like it's,
3: it's sort of like but like you remember like the knock the that
0: used to be against denzel when he uh, there was a time when he only had the supporting actor win and everyone yeah. was like
3: eh, it's not even yeah. really like an
0: oscar
4: it's
1: like a, hey, a, a lot <laughs> of great actors only have supporting
3: actor wins
0: of course yeah but like people knew denzel was coming you know yes. that he was going to get his best actor yeah. win
3: and when he you know oh that's a good what actors only have clooney only has supporting actor brad pitt has supporting actor I want to say Robin Williams only got supporting actor. Robin Williams supporting actor. I'm trying to think of like, like there are a lot of great actors for Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger supporting actor. I I have a feeling uh, Heath Ledger would have racked up many more. Honestly, probably same with Robin Williams. I'm I'm thinking of someone like. um, Well,
0: I know Alan Arkin jumps to mind, but there's someone else along those lines.
3: uh, Nicholson has both supporting actor and lead actor. I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's got three. He's got three. Yeah.
2: I will uh, I will wrap us up with the the Oscar bit, which is funny. Um, so yes, he was nominated for Malcolm X. Uh, Stephen Ray was nominated for The Crying Game. Clint Eastwood okay. was nominated for Unforgiven. Okay. Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Chaplin. Wow. And all of them lost to Al Pacino for *Scent of a Woman*. <laughs> <laughs>
0: are you kidding me
4: that might be the craziest full circle we've ever gone on in this entire show (laughs) seriously (laughs) as soon as you said it I I seriously did not know that when I started my rant (laughs) I know we're in live time right now and this is being recorded and this is going to be played on Friday when you guys download it but like, that's the crazy. full circle of that moment was unbelievable. I, like, I, like, I genuinely like, did not know like, that when I went on my Pacino was, rant. And <laughs> all four of those other
0: performances are, like, home run hits. Dude, dude
4: Unforgiven, <laughs> <laughs> Chaplin. It, it, that's, that the f- that's ridiculous. Wait, so, okay, so, okay. joke Academy is such we, a joke. <laughs> we, discuss this in the sh- we discuss this in the show all the time, and, and this actually plays into exactly what we're talking about here. So... Should we bring the, the times, Oscar
2: game back to the main show? Sorry, absolutely. no, no, I missed, no. missed the Oscar game.
4: Well, a lot of the times we 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 say that this person's now going to win because it's their time; they're sure. due to win. So, like DiCaprio winning for The Revenant, which is, you know you could argue he deserved it or not. I still think he deserved it prior to that Wolf of Wall Street. But we can go down that street another time.
2: I don't think um, the bear gave a better performance. What a hard yeah, job.
4: No, but but in terms of what we're saying, so going back to Al Pacino. And scent of a woman. I don't remember this time period as well because I was only eight years old or nine years old. Whenever when this happened, was that the circumstance with Pacino? It was like, okay, this is his due. This is his time to get it. Like, is it was oh, it that it
0: was one hundred percent that? Yeah. So so okay.
4: So like oh, so a thousand percent. So, so it was definitely like a. It was. A career type of win, rather than giving absolutely. it to. Because I mean, on yes. that list, Denzel crushes all five, all four of all five of them. Well, when you can't, think about what? the I can't believe that it didn't go to
2: Clint. If we're talking about a career Oscar for Unforgiven, absolutely. Oh, he won, he won director and picture. Yeah, oh, okay, that's picture. fair. That's fair. That's
4: fair. Um, which go? Which which goes and, to the and whole Hackman, idea.
3: Hackman won supporting actor, right? For uh, for Unforgiven. I Probably. think so. Yeah, I it. think that, I think that was Hackman's. Oh, that's another great actor that won. <laughs>
4: Supporting actor and never actor. Never actor? That's also, crazy. On the way. Did, he, did he get two? Did Hackman have two? Me uh, let me look. Did Hackman not get nominated for The Conversation? Or, or French I Connection? I don't know. I, right, I he might like have nominated,
0: but I
3: don't think he won. I feel like Hackman just got the one. Oh, dude. So Sean Connery just got uh, supporting actor for Untouchables. This is kind of crazy. There's a lot of people who only dude, got supporting and you, actors. And you always saw and We've told it before. So, but like they, that great Denzel Sean Connery story. Yeah,
2: which, which is which, which is Sean
0: Connery got uh a standing ovation. Uh, when he so, came uh at the beginning yeah. of the show. He was up yeah. against him for the untouchables. Yeah.
2: And, uh uh he got I he won leading f- sorry, uh Hackman won leading for French Connection. Oh, okay, oh, okay, cool. So yeah, oh, so we uh, got two.
4: Yeah. He won Best Actor for French Connection. Yeah. That's great. Did did yeah. Connection win Best Picture? I think it did. Let me take a look. I believe it did. Is that is that Freakin's only best picture win? I don't know. That's a good question. We should have won for Exorcist. Uh, right, right.
2: Wow. <sighs> the French Connection was up against the f- uh, Fiddler on the Roof uh, and a Clockwork Orange.
4: Wow. <laughs> and it won? Wow. Did it won
1: Best Picture, won, Yeah, yeah.
0: One Best wow, Picture. Wow, that's kind of crazy. That's such a genre film. It doesn't feel like an Oscar winner at all, but that's... It was the 70s. All right, well, we what got... Come the, on, top yeah. three Denzel. Let's do the top three? three Denzel. Top three
3: with nine this, points.
0: This is, this is going to oh. get a little bit spicy.
4: Anne Hathaway. Ugh. deservedly so uh, shut up Sean yeah well, dude I love Anne Hathaway but also what does, does she, she deserve deserve for
2: I don't have the uh, disdain that, that Sean does but I also uh, I don't I, I don't I love Anne Hathaway she's fine I just I have a she's hard fine. time believing her I, in most of her I, I, interstellar I, love, I,
3: I don't think she's, I don't think no, she's, she's interstellar
2: an, I don't think she's given an Oscar worthy best actress
3: performance yeah yet. But she, she did deserve she it for Les Mis. Absolutely that, deserved it for Les Mis. Yeah, but yeah. I can't. That I can't really look over. at a lead performance and go. That's she would have should have won an Oscar for that, right? No, I, I remember. Agree. I remember being at the Junkin in New York for Les Mis, and whenever she's saying, uh, "What is it? A, a, a dream I dream?" I remember yeah. like thinking, "Well, that's done."
2: Sean that's just over. rolled his eyes and said, "Talk about miserable." <laughs>
4: <laughs> Wait, does do Nicholas Cage and John Travolta both don't have Oscars? All right, let's get back no, on track. No, nomination. Nomination. Cage has an Oscar. Cage has an Oscar. Oh, he Oscar. went for leading, for leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Let's, oh, let's yeah. get okay. back
2: on track here, because we're running out of time. Uh, and let's let's give it up for our man Denzel here. At number three with nine points, uh, which was only on two of your lists. Is Man on Fire, Sean? Was, you left off Man on Wait, Fire. It was <laughs> Jake's number two <laughs> you deserve
3: to
4: have a bomb up your butt. It was, you it was Like that would be way more than I do. Jake automatically knew Sean didn't. Well, have you posted it on his your list. list, so he knows. Yeah, that's he true. Me. Yeah.
2: Um, Jake's number two. Kevin's number one. Man on Fire. Nah.
4: Jakey? Let Jake go because Kev, I went. A, I, I went yeah. a little heavy on um, Malcolm X. Look, it's it's
3: I I love violent Denzel. You know, like it. I I just went on a whole soliloquy about how he can be a gentle sort of relatable person, a human, but also he can go on the flip side of things. And just I love vicious, just just like just unleashed Denzel Washington. But he does. He plays Creasy. I was going to say Creasy Bear. He plays Creasy. In such a calm. Yes, John manner. W. Creasy, sorry. Yeah, he plays Creasy with such like just a calm measure to him. Uh it's it's unbelievable. It's it's um I, and I like that, that particular performance. And that's really when I felt like Tony Scott started to get experimental with his filmmaking. I love his style. He went all the way to 11 by the time he got to Domino, mm. but I love yeah. when he started yeah. kind Deja of tinkering um, with, uh, with, with man on fire here, having sort of the, even, even if something's in English, having like the subtitles slamming mm, against yeah. the screen. And, and the, I, I love man on fire it was my number, my number one film that year. And, you know, it very much felt like, really? I know that they, the kids exp- the expression today is like you know he oh he understood the assignment it very much felt like I mean by that, was, that point that was the kids I mean,
2: expression yeah the kids use that today <laughs>
3: Denzel and Tony Scott worked together five times and I know uh, he's also worked with Antoine Fuqua five times uh, but it just felt like he and Tony just had this connect I have a feeling that if, if Tony were still with us we'd probably be in, in movie eight or nine of oh, their yeah. collaborations so. together, because oh, they just mm-hmm. had, they had such an understanding of each other, and I felt like their understanding of each other was never better than with Man on Fire. What was and his Denzel last movie, going was back it? To other- unstoppable. Unstoppable. I love was great. Unstoppable.
0: Oh, unstoppable a great great. Also. Yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, Denzel likes going back to directors that he uh, yeah. has rapport a, with. Also. Especially yeah. himself. Especially Fuqua. Too. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. I can't um, believe he's
0: done five movies with Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. Well, three Manum, you, get a, you
4: get three of them are equalizers. equalizers, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, this is actually a perfect movie to be talking about because Dakota Fanning is rejoining yeah. um, Denzel right. Washington and like, like,
3: if we'd done the junket, we could have just asked no fire
4: questions. Oh, and Jake and I say this sometimes, like, we'll go to we'll go to a junket and we'll go like if we're doing a junket for something, we'll go, oh, we're actually like Indiana Jones five. Like we're basically doing the Indiana Jones junket junket. because we can ask about that. Um, So Man on Fire is my favorite Denzel Washington movie. Um, uh, Well, for a personal reason, my brother and I are obsessed with that film. We talk about it all the time. It's a movie that we, we both love together. So I. Share that connection with him. Um, it also has my favorite Denzel lines of all time. Um, there's a line in a uh, in man on fire. I'm trying to remember the context of it, but he, he goes into this guy's this older gentleman's apartment. He's about to fire a, 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 <laughs> a rocket launcher. And the guy says to him, don't you believe in forgiveness? And Denzel's character basically says something along the lines of forgiveness is between them and God. I just arranged the meeting and I just and it's just such a badass line. Like, like, And then obviously, like there's the the famous scene. First time I ever interviewed Denzel Washington, um, it was That's for great. Unstoppable, weirdly enough. Um, and I remember going to the press conference because I wanted to see Tony Scott in person. And I remember I think I walked past him and told him how much I love true romance very briefly. I never really got a personal one on one with him or anything like that um obviously true romance is a very big film for me and tony scott directed you know top gun days of thunder e- enemy of the states another great movie he did i got um, him for the
3: the taking of pelham 123
4: that's awesome which is yeah, a really i never, I I never met him, him taking, i love that movie i never met him but um I remember when the Unstoppable Junket was happening, it was like one of my first TV junkets I had ever done. And I I was, you know, to sit down across from Denzel Washington in in 2007, whatever year that was. I mean, that was it was very nerve wracking. But as the interview was ending, I literally like I looked at the timer, Tony, and I said, then Mr. Washington, I wish we had more time. And, And he immediately knew what it was. He blew up my hand. It was like it was like it was it just made me so happy because I, that was a line that I used to say all the time to my brother or my friends or whatever, because it was a big movie for me um, to Jake's point. Like there's just something badass about the character in a very subtle way. Christopher Walken is so good in it. When he what was that line, he goes, Creasy's an artist and he's about to paint his masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Chris just like art just is violence as violence. He's about to create his masterpiece. And like that movie, just it's poetic. Also, the ending is perfect. It's great how it plays out. So, love Man on Fire. If you haven't seen it, the Rotten Tomatoes rating on that, I know we don't base. Our, our thoughts on Rotten Tomatoes, but that movie has an insanely low Rotten Tomatoes rating. I think it's like 33% or something no. like that. I because don't it's really understand. not that good. You guys what are you really talking about. You two love for it. some
0: reason. I feel like it's you two... It's so good. I feel like you two were at like a junket screening that went really well. And Dude, I was no. in high school when we it came out. I was in, in high that school, movie's in college. Not that good. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. When was well, okay. well, okay. okay. the you're last okay. time you
4: watched it? Wait, wait, wait. Well, first of all, other movies that Sean doesn't think are great are Mad Max, Fury, So just give yourself some context there. What's what's the RT score for for uh, Man on Fire? We're we're not bringing
2: up thirty something. We're not bringing up RT scores. I'm just saying
0: I'm not
3: alone. I'm just saying I'm not alone. Aside from aside from my number one Man on Fire. If it weren't for my number one Man on Fire, would be my number one.
4: And again, I don't don't believe Rotten Tomatoes is an indicator, but I do want to give this perspective because I think it's interesting. Thirty nine percent of critics, hundred and sixty eight reviews. 89 percent audience score over 250 000 reviews and I'll say oh, this, let me say this experience. of
3: all the times i've interviewed denzel and at this point i have probably interviewed him close to i don't know closing in on at least 10 12 times uh, yeah important he b- he brings up man on fire more than yes. any other movie he in loves his career. tony scott he, yeah we he like he, tony he's scott. not one that he doesn't super love bringing up his past work but when he does nine times out of ten it's going to be
4: man on fire it doesn't mean He'll, it's good
0: gu- it doesn't mean it's good <laughs>
4: But He loves it. I, 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 I'm not saying it means it's good, but man, I when was the last time you actually watched Man on Fire, Sean?
3: It's been, I watched, all don't you the owe the, me like eight punishments? I choose that to be one, like, dude, we'll go watch it.
0: I feel like it's not really a punishment. I'm not saying that the movie's bad, I'm just saying it's fine. It's
2: right. nice. I don't think you remember it. I don't think uh, you remember I'm it. Fine. Fine. We go. Number two, that I was our number it. three with nine points. Number two, this was technically a tie, also with nine points, but the tiebreaker that I used was that this film was on all three of your lists um. and that is his role as Whip Whitaker in Flight.
0: Okay, let me go with Flight cuz Flight Well, is... hey, let me let
2: me give the let me give the position. Son this of a was bitch. number this was number 4 <laughs> on both Jake and Kevin's lists and it was Sean's number 1. So Sean, you give wow. us this. That was your number 1? Sean, you give us this and if you guys have anything quick to add, but I would like to give more time for our number 1 cuz sure. I think everyone's going to have something yeah, to say yeah. about
0: that um F- flight is to me and for denzel as good as castaway is for tom hanks wow. um mm. it is that central of her performance he in that
2: fedex plane it's everything a
0: structured around him it's a mechus also that's that's kind of why i'm making that parallel nice. um in the sense that it it's such a tiny um obstacle that the character is facing um in that the night before he pulls off this incredibly heroic uh, save as a pilot, the 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 engines fail him. The entire plane is falling apart around him, and he figures out a way to land this plane because he inverts it uh, and he prevents the death of not just everyone in this neighborhood where where the plane is heading towards, but everyone on board the plane. And you talk about great lines. Then uh, Don Cheadle is in this, and Don Cheadle is one of the FDA investigators or a lawyer who's investigating him. And he essentially says like We've run simulations on this crash with uh, you know a hundred different pilots, and nobody could land this except for yeah. the way that you landed it. But Denzel's an alcoholic, and he drank the night before he was on the flight, and so there's alcohol in and his well, blood also, system and, and
3: cocaine, right? Like not just alcohol; he was it's, like was he using Yes,
0: um, yeah. So he was in in a bad way. Does it negate the heroism, you know, and and what kind of guilt and weight when I talked about earlier about Denzel being, you know, very willing to wallow in the murky sort of, you know, waters of, of people's morality? His character in Flight is deeply flawed, um, but his deeply flawed character did something that's triumphant. Uh and does that excuse the way that he was did he only do what he did because of the the you know situation that he was in uh, you know under the influence of alcohol and drugs uh he holds the the two or three or four or five sides of that argument throughout the entire film and you don't know which way to go with him uh and it's just a riveting riveting performance with a really great script and and terrific direction by Robert Zemeckis. but um Uh, yeah when looking at the five films i had a hard time not putting this at number one because i just felt like denzel was so amazing in it um and zemeckis at that point was also in a time where i think he was doing that was around beowulf and polar express and all these things where i kind of felt like ah damn it we lost zemeckis you know like he's gone too far into the uncanny valley of these performances where i don't know if he's you know ever going to work with real people again kind of thing um and then he came back with flight and
3: and destroyed uh, have we lost zemeckis since because i would argue that's probably his last great movie
0: probably but but like i'll never write him off because I, I like the
3: walk i like the walk too yeah
0: i the documentary is better actually i actually just watched man on wire today in the background man on wire it's is on one Hulu. of the best
4: documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Dude,
0: I got to the point of the wire walk and my hands were just like dripping yeah. sweat. And is that your first time seeing it? No, 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 no. I've seen it a thousand times. That was my number okay. one in the year it came yeah, out. But what's, like- what's
3: better, man on wire or man on fire? Man on fire.
4: <laughs> oh, man on fire. Man on fire. I miss mean, Tony Scott's man on wire, though. <laughs> crazy. Sean, any, crazy any
2: walking across the- <laughs> Any final thoughts on, on flight before I move us on?
0: Uh... Give it a watch if you haven't seen it yet because it's top shelf Roberts Zemeckis and that that to me is still. I haven't seen it there. in a few years. What was oh, what was
2: great. the uh, was your cheesy um, review title? Don't walk, fly to see flight this weekend. <laughs> that's a that's a Gene Shalit kind of line. Gene Shalit. <laughs> Denzel <would've. laughs>
0: takes flight in news oh. Zemeckis. Oh. All right, that was our
2: number two. Uh, our number one with with thirteen points on the seven. board is his role as Alonzo. In freaking training day so yeah. this is just I mean, uh a marriage of it's almost this is almost you don't even have to say more than it's training day It's yeah, my number yeah. Yeah. One? yeah uh yeah, oh, yeah sorry this is two. jake's number one and and kevin and sean's number two
0: yeah uh it's a perfect marriage of like everything hit at the right time uh the script was right the director was right uh denzel was right ethan hawk was right you know all of it just coalesced at the exact same time and
2: uh well, Jake, even talking about the, the, the serendipity of that, Jake, you had a great quote with with um, Fuqua where he was like, that wasn't, the, the King Kong line wasn't planned and I wasn't sure if it was in focus and, and just how you know everything <laughs> fell into place to get it.
3: Yeah, uh, Denzel had told me years back that uh, the, the King Kong ain't got shit on me line he sort of came up with in the moment. So I asked Antoine Fuqua, like, on that day when he says something like that, what is your reaction? Are you going through the script or Are you doing and basically he said that he knew in that moment that that was a one and done thing. I was never going to get that again. And his number one fear was that the focus puller wasn't, wasn't focused on him in that moment. That's hilarious. Um, and which is, you know, I, the pressure on, I'm going to say, I'm sure it wasn't a, a grown person, but I would say the pressure on that kid being the focus puller, knowing that like, you know, and he even says that you guys, you know, that there's a little bit of a buzz on that anamorphic lens, is just just barely, which none of us I don't think would ever notice. But apparently, in his eye, it's just barely out of focus. But he basically knew that, like yeah, they had the dust. But you know, I rewatched because of that that moment with with Fuqua. I, I rewatched Training Day recently because it's on HBO Max, and it's just it's the most. You know, for Denzel, we often talk about sometimes an actor's celebrity and stardom getting in the way of us being able to, to see their characters or their ability to disappear into a character. Denzel Washington, arguably one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. All I see is Alonzo. Yeah. I do not see Denzel Washington in that car from the moment he is sitting in that booth when Jake White walks in that diner. It's just it's it's Alonzo sitting there. It's 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 and that is really
0: hard because we talk about this a lot. And Denzel is one of the last people that have that where someone walks up to the ticket booth and they say, uh, "Give me a ticket to the new
2: Denzel."
3: Yeah,
2: and
0: they don't even really know what they're seeing. Yeah, (laughs) they kind of know, but they know Denzel has a new movie out, so they're gonna see it. You're
4: freaking seeing Denzel. Did you know? Did you know his name is actually pronounced Denzel? Denzel, yeah. Is, Is it really, really? Denzel, yeah. Washington? It's Denzel, Denzel Washington? Wow, <laughs> it's, but it sounds it, more, pop that
0: sounds more that sounds more British. Shaped it to Denzel <laughs> yeah. over
4: the years. Well, it's, it's like Scorsese, Scorsese, Lithgow, Lithgo. I mean, like <laughs> the, like uh, eventually it gets messed Lady Gaga, messed up. Uh, uh, Lady Gaga. It's all yeah, the same. Uh, it, it gets messed <laughs> up enough
0: Lady Gaga.
2: Hey, I get gab more than you'd realize at a Starbucks. Oh, dude, it's a whole thing. That's a podcast within a podcast, right there. Gab. People just don't know how to pronounce my name. Weirdly enough, they get your last
3: name right.
0: Um,
2: never never
0: shout out to uh ethan hawk who obviously oh, dude you know that interplay doesn't work yeah. if he's not nearly oh, as good 100%. as he is one and of my favorite the, quotes we've ever gotten in any scene. of our
3: interviews is uh, i don't know if it, when we asked uh, ethan hawk about them using the i have a little girl uh moment the bathtub as his yeah. oscar clip and uh, us asking do you mm. care what your oscar clip is and and try correct me if i'm right his quote was something like i may not have had the best performance that year but i sure as hell had the best clip
4: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and he yeah. did he, he did have the best
3: clip absolutely yeah definitely
0: no, I mean, this had to be. I think this had to be one. You know, even when, I put it at two, and I, I'm glad I got flight, you know, up there a bit. But I mean, no one's it gonna has that
2: about uh, it, it has that quality of like, I think for everyone who likes this movie, which is most people probably that have at least seen it, it's once it's on, no matter what scene it's it's in the middle of,
4: mm-hmm. you kind of just want to sit down yeah. and watch it. Oh, wait, and I remember, just- I remember the day it came out on DVD. Snapcase, be- baby, snapcase. Yeah, I got <laughs> to best, I got to Best Buy. At like eight thirty, and they were opening at nine, and I will never forget running in there to get that 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 snap case. I still have it somewhere. I, I so I have I have mine too. Yeah. The old Warner Brothers snap cases. Yeah, it was like the like the, like, the like, yeah. You snapped it open and you pulled it up. Yeah, oh, it was like, like speaking man, of great
3: DVDs. Do you guys remember? Only because we were talking about Fincher earlier. Do you guys remember the the DVD or the Blu Ray for Girl, Girl the Dragon Tattoo? No, I don't think so. It looks like a blank rewritable DVD, and Uh, it looks like someone with a Sharpie wrote The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, that's funny. That's cool. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That's cool. Well, anyway, folks, that is Blend's top five. We have John Q... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Can you
0: tell us the titles that didn't get mentioned that were on other people's lists?
2: So the the two were were both on Sean's list that didn't make it. Oh, (laughs) fuck (laughs) yeah. Sean's number three was Remember the Titans great one uh, great movie great performance uh and then Sean's number 5 was fences mm-hmm. fences is
4: amazing and yeah. i
0: think but what I, my point with that being is that denzel does not mind and i've said this a couple of times i guess playing a bad guy uh and i mean training day he's a bad dude yeah <laughs> well, t- training day is the
2: ultimate example of everything we've said where it's the cachet it's the everyman it's the he's the hero at the start of the story mm-hmm. and is this this paragon of, you know, uh, this cop that he's looking up to, Ethan Hawke's character's looking up to, and he just turns into this gray and then into this black. Like, mm-hmm. like this character arc is just all of the thing that Denzel can do until you get to King Kong and got shit on me. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Sorry, Sean.
0: Slightly mentioned. out of focus. No, no, no. That's all. I mean, because I even like, remember the Titans, like, yes, he's an inspirational coach, but it's not, it doesn't follow that template yeah. because he's legit like mean to the players. Yeah. And, yeah. and To and the point where, was
3: it Will Patton had to go to him and be like, dude, you gotta, you gotta Scale it back, man. Did you he gotta, really? Like, oh, that's yeah. pretty funny. Well, no, no well, the, well, the character in the movie, the character goes oh, to, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. To, uh, to Coach Coach Boone, I believe, and says yeah. like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta scale it back. Oh, that's pretty funny. Anyway, Denzel's a great actor. And Philadelphia. Great.
0: I wanted to put Philadelphia on yeah. my list really bad. Sure. I wanted to
3: put The Hurricane and American Gangster on my
0: list. Yeah, those are good ones too.
2: Nice. God so the, the top five damn. for real, Blint, uh, as I was getting to, John Q, Malcolm X, Man on Fire, Flight. And at number one, training day, very naturally. Uh, great yeah, list. That's our, that's our list. I think it's no, a great list. I'm happy with that list. That is, How uh, do you guys like this format? Do you think we should, we should do of more it. of these top fives? I think we should do
3: it again. Cool. cool. Ooh, yes.
2: Nolan. We, uh, you know, doing a top five would be easier than doing a tier list, I tell you yeah. what.
3: I tell you, you just sound like Hank Hill
0: right there. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell, tell you what. I'll, I'll tell, tell you, you what. what. All right, well, now it's your guys' turn. Head to the comments down below and give us your top five Denzel Washington list. It's Denzel
2: uh, Washington, show. Sorry. Denzel, Denzel. Denzel
0: Washington It's actually pronounced. <laughs> Weirdly enough, everyone gets that wrong. Um, so head to the comments and let us know, and then I will uh, give you guys feedback on whether I think your list is good or not. I promise to do that for you guys. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back next week with a brand new show. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We are at Jake's Takes, at Kev McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. In the meantime, no, until next time, is what I meant to say. Tell your writers, the man of your, your, your artists. Tell your artists.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich.